What is one key improvement that every member of the Oklahoma City Thunder should make? We're going to go through it player by player. How can this Thunder team get better this summer? Let's discuss on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. On today's show, we're diving into the Oklahoma City Thunder having an in-season tournament schedule drop. What does that look like for them? We'll preview the schedule, which is dropping today in full, and give you one key improvement that every player has to make this season. Again, I'm your host. You are here for you throughout the offseason, and then every single day in the regular season, follow along on YouTube, follow along on all the other podcasting platforms, your team every day, Locked on Thunder. Thank you so much. For making us your first listen, let's get into quickly the in-season tournament schedule. Obviously, this will be the first ever in-season tournament. Tournament games we played on November, Tuesdays, and Fridays, except for Election Day. There's no games on Election Day again this year. So these quote-unquote tournament games will count toward the normal standings. They also count as pool play games that will determine if you advance in this tournament or not the top team from each pool will advance and an additional two wild cards will advance as well the final four will play in vegas and then they'll be playing to win the first ever in-season nba cup last year they took the standings from last year and made it into like these different pods and different pools and so the thunder drew western conference pool c and so they're with sacramento golden state Minnesota, and San Antonio. And so we knew that information coming into Tuesday, but now we know when and where they're going to play on the actual dates. And I've got to say, the in-season tournament schedule broke about as well as you can expect a schedule to break. First of all, their pool is pretty good. I mean, everyone's pool is about the same caliber, but whenever you project and and you flip last year's success and this year's projections you can't really do much better than home for Golden State on the road in Sacramento, on the road in Minnesota, and home for San Antonio. So here's the actual schedule laid out. November 3rd, this thing will start with the Golden State Warriors in the Paycom Center. November 10th will be Sacramento on the road at 9 p.m., a late start, obviously, out in Sacramento November 10th. November 14th is the game everyone is circling, the game I think even the national audience is circling. November 14th in the Paycom Center on TNT against the San Antonio Spurs at 6.30, Victor vs. Chet. That game will be the most exciting regular season game on the Thunder's schedule. Now, they do play the Spurs in the preseason on October 9th, but that's the preseason, who cares? The odds are that this will be the first time that we see Victor and Chet 
play in the regular season because you would not think that the NBA would put them in October play. They'd save this for this nationally televised game uh, here for Victor versus Chet on November 14th. It'll be one of the first nationally televised games back in OKC. And in fact, uh, I think it'll be the first nationally televised games in OKC uh, in the past two years because they got back on national television last year after big hiatus, but it was in Miami uh, for their first initial one after the rebuild. And then uh, against the Lakers uh, for the LeBron James breaking the record, scoring record game as well. So this will be the Thunder fan base's first chance to really pack in the Paycom Center and kind of show that this new era is beginning. And what better way to do it than with Victor and Chet? Uh, as of right now, this is the first national TV game. Obviously, this full schedule can reveal some more on uh, later on today. November 28th, it ends with Minnesota on the road, November 28th in Minnesota. So the layoff between traveling to San, uh, Sacramento and coming back home for San Antonio is great. The layoff uh, between you know your home game in San Antonio and going to Minnesota is great. The Minnesota travel is easy. Of course, you're used to it by now in that division. So ultimately, this schedule broke about as perfectly as it could. And I still believe that the Thunder are going to be one of the prime teams to win this tournament. And that's not necessarily talking about what they look like on paper. It's it's all the other intangibles. The fact that the Thunder are going to care more about the regular season in general than other NBA teams. The fact that this is a young Thunder team that I think would make winning the cup cool. Like they would embrace the idea of being the first ever team to win the cup. So that, that gives them an edge uh, up, I think, in this whole ordeal. And so this schedule allows them to have a path to doing that. You catch Golden State early. Maybe they're still easing into it. You get Minnesota late, and then in the middle, you play Sacramento and you play San Antonio. So the full schedule will drop at 2 p.m. today. Some key things to watch for once you see the schedule. Obviously, home opener, season opener. You want to see Chet's first game. Who's Who is it against? Uh, a pretty big deal in Oklahoma City. Uh, the New Year's Eve game, the tradition, well, should continue uh, with this schedule. So who is it going to be this year on New Year's Eve? Is there any sort of December homestand? I love the December homestand because, you know, people are out of school. Uh, people are taking vacation time. Uh, and the pick center is usually pretty packed at that joint, uh, at that juncture of the, of the year. And then just the normal stuff. How many back-to-backs are there? How many baseball-style series are there? And who are they against and when? Like last year, the Thunder got incredibly... Uh, beneficial from the schedule of having the baseball series with uh, the Clippers early on. They also had one late in LA, but early on uh, Paul George played in one Kawhi played in zero. And so they were able to win both those games and really help them out early on in the season. So beyond that, you're just looking for like a long road stand. You're looking for three games and four nights. And that's about it from the schedule. We'll discuss it all once we have it in hand tomorrow. I cannot wait for that, but I also Cannot wait to dive into what there is for this team to improve upon. So I'm going to give you one improvement for each player on this roster to make that can really change their season, that can really allow them to take another leap forward. But first, I want to say right now, a better good friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel.com is where you want to be. It's America's number one sports book. It is the official sports book of Locked On. So make sure you go over there right now to FanDuel.com slash Locked On. FanDuel.com slash locked on. And they have one of my favorite offers ever. It is pretty cool. 
So football season, as you know, is about to kick off. And FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all year long. If you're into future bets, you're going to make a prediction on who will win the Super Bowl, right? So if you bet on who you think will win the Super Bowl, every time that that team wins a regular season game, you get bonus bets. So if you're confident in your Super Bowl pick, there's two things. One, they win the Super Bowl, you win your bet. Two, if you think a team's going to win the Super Bowl, correct me if I'm wrong, they've got to win a lot of regular season games, probably double digits at least. That's a lot of extra winnings on the front end as well as the back end. So check it out today by going to Fender.com slash on so you can win both in the future and right now and pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you get bonus bets back for every victory, which you can use on spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Check it out today, Fender.com slash on. FanDuel.com slash LockedOn is America's number one sports book. And make sure that you check it out at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We are here for you, talking Thunder basketball. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the schedule in full. We also have a very special episode for you. Um, later on this week or the next week it might be where we're going to draft the schedule, which is going to be a wild idea. Let me know if you like the idea or not, because it's going to take a lot of brain power on a otherwise futile exercise, but we're trying to build the best schedule possible in a snake draft format. So let me know tomorrow, cheat for me, make me a big board. What are your favorite games on the schedule uh, in the comments? So that's your homework assignment. Now, what is one key improvement for this entire roster to make? You can play along with me in the comments as well if you want to. Let's start with SGA. The one improvement that SGA has to make this season is his three-point shooting. And I'm not even necessarily discussing his three-point percentage. It's the comfortability of him taking three-point shots. It's, It's expanding that into a part of his game that you have to respect to even further make him unguardable. So even if that sacrifices some of that field goal percentage, even if that sacrifices you know some of the efficiency, the reward for doing that in the long run is great for Oklahoma City. It's great for SGA. And so far in FIBA, again, it's just exhibitions. It's just been a couple of them. But so far in FIBA, he look, not only looks more comfortable shooting threes, but he looks better shooting threes. His jump shot looks a lot smoother. But that would be a big win for the Thunder and a big win for Shea if he can look more comfortable shooting threes. Then you can start to work on the efficiency and you can start to work on uh, you know, making them and everything else. But even just simply taking them would be a huge win. Josh Giddy is a simple, and we talked about it a lot on yesterday's podcast, get to the free throw line. Every year we talk on this show and everyone talks about it around the NBA. This is a thing that people harp on inside the NBA, outside the NBA, Free throw shooting is the difference between being a five point per game score and a 10 point per game score, a 10 point per game score and a 15% per game score and so on and so forth. You to score in this league, you have to get free throws and make your free throws. And for Josh Giddy, as a guy who, who is, you know, six, eight and and claims to be six, nine, I'm going to roll with him. He's six, nine. And his best outlet for scoring the basketball is going to be, those hard line drives to the rim. It's going to be how we saw him play last year. He started to take advantage of those mismatches and drive hard to the rim on smaller opponents, which he typically 
will be matched up with given the lineup versatility, given the positionless nature of this roster, he'll be able to exploit some smaller guards playing that one, two guard. So getting to the line will be massive for him. You've got to find ways to, to, to turn that contact into whistles for Lou Dort. Another simple one. I'm not just going to throw the blanket statement out there of take better shots. That's, that's obvious. Take better shots, be more efficient. But the pathway to getting to be more efficient is improving rim finishing. One of the worst rim finishers of the NBA, you can't sugarcoat it. There's nothing else to say other than Lou Dort is factually one of the worst rim finishers in the league. There are some reasons for that. He's gotten improved areas at the rim. I will say one improved area at the rim last year was decision-making. His playmaking, once he attacks the rim, got better last year than it was in years past. Now, that wasn't enough to wash away that icky feeling you had watching Ludor drive. I understand that, but it is true. We have to be truthful here. I can be truthful that it was terrible. Also, he did improve a little bit. Also, in addition to that as well, last offseason, he was dealing with that shoulder injury. And he talked about how last offseason, that shoulder injury didn't necessarily allow him to develop finishing through contact and finishing at the rim the way he wanted to. So instead, he had to focus on that rim decision-making, which did translate. So a healthy offseason, he's already shown you can improve at some area at the rim. Now with the focal point of being finishing and improving his rim finishing, can he actually translate that to the NBA? So far at FIBA, again, a small sample size, but he's dunking the ball more. He's driving to the basket better, but you've got to see that sustained. Because if Lou Dort can improve as a rim finisher, and if he can play the role I think that he should be in, where he's a guy that is the beneficiary of SGA and Josh Giddy and Chet Holmgren being the focal point of the offense, and even J-Dub being a focal point of the offense, this is a guy who, since his rookie year, has never shot below 40% from corner threes. So if you can reduce his role to corner threes and rim finishing, if he gets better rim finishing, then you've got yourself a really good player because of what he brings you defensively. But that's the key. You cannot be a bottom eighth percentile at the rim anymore if you're Lou Dort. And you also can't take bad shots. And some some of the bad shots, we can admit they were bad shots, but they were also a product of the environment of up until last year, a product of the environment, but then also last year in an, an environment where he was still the second most aggressive player. You've got to see a rise in aggression offensively uh, from Josh Giddy. You've got to see, you know, Chet Holmgren will be added to the mix, and that will that will naturally add a, a guy who takes more shots. And then rolling right into our next guy, Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, he's got to play with more offensive force. It is extremely hard to, 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 to find a hole in his game from last year because I think that he was a better defender than he gets credit for last year. I think that he already was playing that positionless style and playing the power forward last year and has only since added a ton of muscle to that frame and has talked with Sham Sharani of The Athletic about how he's embracing playing a positionless style of basketball this year. But the one area where he lacked at times was the lack of offensive force. It led to great efficiency, and it led to him making the right basketball plays. I'm not, this, I'm not saying he did anything wrong. It's just that sometimes... The right basketball play is the wrong one. Sometimes a good Jalen Williams shot is better than a than a great Lou Dort shot. Or insert any other name here. 
know, sometimes, you know, you just got to want to make your imprints found in the game. And he did that in a, in a big way as a rookie, as a rookie runner up rookie of the year, arguably the second best player on the team last year. Like he was awesome, but there were times where he lacked some offensive force. And Mark has talked about that a lot where like some guys are naturally more team fit versus uh, offensive aggression. Some guys are the other way and you've got to nudge them all to the middle, get closer to that middle. If you're J dub in this summer. And I think that he can do just that. He's always going to play his role. He's always going to make the right basketball play. That's, that's part of why you love him. But there are certain moments where you can extend yourself some grace of quote unquote, forcing it a bit, if you will. For Chet Holmgren, obviously you're not approving upon last year because you haven't, you didn't play last year, but uh, from what we saw in summer league, the dribbling stuff. Yeah. Cut down the turnovers. So that'd be great. But how often is he really going to be put in that scenario? come October, but make sure your shot's right. Like if you're, if you're Chet Holmgren, the beauty of Chet Holmgren is going to be what he can do shooting the basketball, what he can do spacing the floor. That's got to be on this season. Kaysen Wallace, same sort of thing. So with Kaysen and, and Chet and Michich, what we're going to talk about is more so like what we want them to do versus improve upon from last year because they didn't play last year. For Kaysen Wallace, I'm interested to see if he can continue to be a knockdown shooter. This is a guy that shot 40% from three, all last year until the end of January. And then he had the back spasms. Then he, then he fell off to about a 35% three-point shooter last year. I'm interested to see what he can be in his ever-changing role. If there's one thing that you know about, about Mark Dagnall is that he is going to mess with the rotations. He is going to mix and match and spin the Rolodex of players and try everything. Explore the roster. And so there's going to be nights where Casey Wallace is the sixth man off the bench. There's going to be nights where Casey Wallace doesn't play. And when we're talking about rookies and talking about offensive players just in general, and especially shooting the basketball, so much of it players talk about is rhythm. And so how do you adjust to an imperfect role where you're bouncing back and forth in terms of minutes, you're bouncing back and forth in terms of, of what your job is, because there's going to be lineups where his job is to just play off ball offensively and cash in shots. There's going to be, points in the season where, and, and, and different matchups and games where his job's going to be to initiate the second unit and, and run the offense. How do you adjust as a young player to that, to that constant change? Can you make the transition seamlessly as we saw, as we saw JW do last year? So, so going to this in, in environment where your minutes aren't guaranteed much less your job uh, in the sense of like what you're tasked to do isn't guaranteed. It's going to be challenging for any young player. And so watching Kaysen deal with that is going to be interesting. Now, Kenneth Williams is another easy one. Kenneth Williams plays his role dang near perfectly. The only knock on him is his free throw shooting. He shot in astonishing in a, in a negative way an almost unbelievable feat to pull off, you know, 43% from the free throw line last year. And he he's better than that. And, you know, he's got to cash in those free throws. That can, again, change everything about the complex, you know, the, the, the complexity of a game and also your season. You're knocking in free throws. You're going to average more points per game. You're going to average, uh, you know, better stats. And the reason I say he can be better is, Last year, from three, he shot 
Corner three, he shot 44%. All mid-range shots, he shot 48%. Long mid-range shots, he shot 58%. But he somehow shot 47% at the free throw line. So just figuring out how to get over that, that free throw line ick would really improve his game. Let's talk Michich. Let's talk Isaiah Joe. Let's talk Jay Will Wiggins and the rest of the crew all coming up. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Please subscribe on all podcasting platforms, including on YouTube. Leave a like, a comment, a review. Thank you for listening. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Today, we are diving into what one improvement is for every single player on this roster. Mitrich is up next. And again, just like Kaysen hasn't played yet. So let's just talk about what we want to see from him playing at an NBA speed and pace, especially defensively will be interesting to tab along as, as, as we see him play. That's probably the only concern that I have from necessarily. He is a heavy pick and roll guy and he's really good at the pick and roll. And that could be the brand of offense that that second unit unit really needs. However, that's not the brand of offense that the thunder typically play. So how does he play and adjust to a more free-flowing offense? You can ask that question. But ultimately, I have very little concerns about Micic. Ultimately, he's just a pro's pro. He's going to get the job done. He's going to adjust. He's going to figure it out. He's 30 years old. Like He instantly comes in as one of the oldest players on the team. He instantly comes in as one of the you know, guys who have who's experienced the most basketball. And basketball is basketball. So... I think we'll figure it out. But again, you'd ask those two questions, the free-flowing offense question, and then how does he improve and, and play at NBA speed? For Isaiah Joe, Isaiah Joe's another guy who, who plays his role perfectly. And so it's really hard to think of anything that he does negatively. And what I think most of you would think of as defense, but me personally, I think that he plays really good defense. I, I think that for his size limitations, which he can't grow you know, at this point in his life, probably. So his defense is not a problem to me. Like he stays attached at the hip, uh, he, he disrupts shots. He scraps hard for, for deflections and loose balls. He he just does his role really well on that defensive end as best he can. Staying attached to guys. Offensively, one of your best three-point shooters. I will say offensively, an area that he can improve upon is shot creation for himself. Now, he flashed some of that last year. He flashed some of that ability last year. And when he gets hot, he gets really hot at creating for himself. But it's got to get better for Isaiah Joe, at least a little bit better to, to patchwork through an 82-game season and game-to-game life in the NBA. For Jay Will, you're looking for better force at the rim from him because there's games where he shows it, and, and, and this has happened a lot in the G League, where like he shows he'll play games where he's just a monster down there and he is, he is just getting guys out of his way and finishing hard at the rim. There's also games where He's just looking to do other things at the rim for some reason. Like instead of trying to go up strong at the rim, he's like, well, how can I kick this out of facilitate? It looks like. And so last year he shot 61% at the rim at the NBA level. Got to get better in finishing. If you're Jay will and, and find, find your moves that you're going to do and utilize to make up for your small ballness at the five position and score at the rim. So offensive force around the rim 
would be big. And and throughout the year, to his credit, last year he did get better at finding his his role offensively. So Wiggins, another guy who does almost everything perfectly, but corner three point shooting, thirty one percent, mid range shooting, thirty percent. I'm more so focused as a role player on his corner three point shooting. You've got to cash in those corner threes. Now, it's not as though this is a big deal in the sense of like a big sample size or or something to to, to worry about, you know, obsessively. But on 49 attempts from the corner, which is for a guy that was not a heavy dosage in the rotation, or at least not as heavy dose as he should have been in the rotation, on 59 attempts, that's a pretty decent sized sample to see him shoot 31%. You can even go back last year on 53 attempts, you know, the year prior to last, where he shot 32% in the corner which is a bit odd because overall from three, Wiggins shot 38%, which is really good. So getting those corner threes, you can see where my mind's at here. If you can improve those corner threes, that takes your game to another platform. And it makes you, it, it, it forces the hand. If you're Because if you are improving, if you're a 30% shooter overall from three, 38%, and you're improving your corner threes from 31, which is the easiest shot from three, if you're improving that from 31, that you're getting close to, if not at, 40% overall from three. He was in the 99th percentile at non-corner threes. Threes taken above the break. He was in the 99th percentile at 46%. And, you know, metrics tell you that the corner three is the easiest one to hit, and he's not hitting them. And if you can start to do that, then things are going to open up for Wiggins in a big way. Bruce Jang. It's playing with more offensive force as a cutter and, you know, getting putbacks, using that frame to really mix it up on missed shots and, and, and cutting to the rim. And then hopefully knocking down some threes. There's there's times last year where, where Jang showed some really nice defensive chops, but was just kind of floating around and non-existent offensively that you would want to see him mix it up a bit more. Did a better job of that in Summer League, obviously. Played really good in Summer League. Hopefully that translates. For Poku, just continue to be a connector. And I'm, I'm going to use some exaggeratory terms here. And again, we're not really inside the mind of Poku, so we don't know this for a fact. But just looking at him play, it felt like his first few years in the NBA, he was taking that unicorn stuff and the pressure of being a, a first overall pick and the pressure of this this franchise trading up for him and, and really you know seeing him in a in a in a big way in a in a, in a good light it seemed like he was taking that and like trying to do too much with it, trying to prove, okay, yeah, I am a unicorn. I, everyone is right about me in this organization. Like I am going to do such great things. And that led to blooper reels that led to trying to do too much. That led to poor play last year. It felt like he let the game slow down. He let the game come to him and he was able to play that more connector role and play within himself. And he looked a lot better, especially that month of November. The reason why I say to continue to do this and not look for not look for another thing is because every year things change. Progression isn't linear, but most importantly, as of today, there's no contract extension for Poku, and the Thunder typically don't let guys hit restricted free agency. Poku will be an exception, I think. And when you're looking at a guy in a contract year, that in and of itself adds pressure. Just no matter where you're at in your career, it adds pressure. And some guys rise to it, as we've seen. Some guys are crushed by it. But for Boku, the thing is to not allow this pressure to try to force you to play outside yourself. If he just plays like he did last year, he'll have 
absolutely nothing to worry about. So just continuing to play inside yourself would be great for Boku. For Trey Mann, what he's got to do this year, no matter where he's playing basketball, is press play. So you know the analogy that I always use with Trey Mann. If you stop the Trey Mann play as he loads up the shoot, everything looks good. You would think he's one of the most prolific scorers in the league if you just watched every clip on Synergy of Trey Mann shooting and paused it when he's about to let the ball release off his fingertips. He looks spectacular. For some reason last year, they didn't go in once you hit play. Once you hit play, he couldn't hit it home. It, no matter the fact that he created a billion yards of, you know, a billion feet of separation on these step backs, no matter the fact that he got clean looks off, they just didn't go in. Got to hit play and finish the clip. Finish the job if you're Trey Mann. For Jeremiah Robinson Earl, find a role. And this is, again, no matter where he's playing basketball. I think that his role would be best if he can improve his three-point shooting and make it a sustained, consistent, good three-point shooter for himself. But find a role in this league. Right now, he's on that kind of tweener. Where does he play? What does he do? What, what does he excel at? Find your your niche. And I think that he can do it. I, I think that fully healthy, which to this point has been a little bit of a big if, fully healthy can have an NBA rotational role. But he's got to figure it out. He's got to shoot the three ball better. And then Kathy Johnson, he pointed out himself, he had a lot of turnovers at Kansas State where it can be easily cleaned up, but it's not going to get any horror. It would be easily cleaned up like in college, but now on top of needing to figure it out yourself of how to clean up your turnovers, you're now moving up a rung to a more fast-paced, better environment of basketball. So how do you improve on your quick decision makings, but also not just making quick decisions, making clean decisions and limiting those turnovers. So that is one key improvement for every player on this Thunder roster. Play along with me on YouTube comment section on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And you can even email them lothunderproducegym.com if you want to. Let me know what you think the one key improvement is for this roster heading into this season. Again, the schedule will drop today. We'll have it all covered for you as it drops and what to expect from this Thunder team this year and different areas of the schedule where we want to highlight it. And we we'll, might even make a prediction on how the season will go as we see the layout for this schedule. I personally have scheduled release day. I know that some people stick their nose up at it. I love it. I love it. I love it. So you're going to have to love it too, listening to Lockdown Thunder. So until then, be good and be good to one 